How we doing, boys? Pretty good. A little sleepy. Yeah, a little sleepy from from last night. Late night. It was fun, man. That show was epic. Yeah, it was. It was, dude. There was this comment. I'm on this floater fan base. I've been on the, the site on Facebook for a while. And this guy puts a comment on there like, they played great, but the set list sucked. Like, you knew what the set list was going into that show. Like, how do you how do you even make that comment? That's like so stupid. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> it's so it's so silly. Like the fact that we even got you know here for the night and waitlist at the end of the show mm-hmm. was was a real treat, you know. And so to make an asinine comment like that is so funny because it's like. It's like, dog, they announced months, like two months in advance that, hey, this show, we're doing Animals again, and we're doing a 20-year celebration for Alter. Right. Both those albums are almost an hour long. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, and the show start like show started at 9, they didn't go on stage till 9.30, but they timed that for a reason, you know, to be the New Year's show, and then after the New Year hit, they'd be like, all right, let's play two classics, get the fuck out of here, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's so dumb. To make a comment, like, set list sucked. Motherfucker, if you thought the set list sucked, you knew what it was going to be two months in advance. You could have yeah. not bought a ticket. Or yeah, you should just not came, you know. Yeah, motherfucker, if you wanted to hear if you wanted to hear a bunch of shit off Glyph and Stone by Stone, you should have just gone to a different show. Right, you know. The Portland show was a little like that, but, you know, at the same time, you, like you just said, we knew what we were expecting when we went there at the Eugene show, so. It was great. Yeah. Epic show. I'm glad you guys got to go with me. It was fun. Yeah, yeah fucking dope, dude. I was surprised, like, just the range of people that were there. There was like young people, older people, like yeah. people in wheelchair, like everyone that like could get tickets that you'd imagine could go went. Like, there was a lot of old people, like in front of us, like a couple rows down. There was like an older lady with like white hair, and she was like headbanging, and she was going fucking hard. And she's definitely like sixty years old. It was like, dude, that's fucking sick. Hmm. The fan base, you could tell that it's there, and like, they're here, they're local, so I mean, local showed up, and yeah, it was fucking dope. Well, it was, it was funny. Uh, by the way, we are recording. This is what you spinning. Uh, we're going over the floater show that the three of us went to last night here in Eugene for New Year's Eve. Um, yep, he's repping. I'm repping. Jake yeah. could go get naked and be repping, but he ain't gonna. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the g-string wouldn't look too good on me I'm sitting down <laughs> <laughs> he bought the they only had xl extra small tank top so he just turned his into a man thong uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh but no it was a great show and speaking on that you know we were lucky you know i'm glad that we got there so early you know we just got to stand in line and bullshit and it was it was not a bad night like matt you were on top of it being like hey Weather's going to be nice. It only rained, like, even over here in Springfield, it only rained for, like, maybe 45 minutes all day. And then it was, like, a nice, and this is, like, the most Oregonian thing to say, but it was, like, a nice 42-degree night or whatever last night, you know? It was perfect conditions for standing in line with maybe a little coverage if it did start to rain. Yeah, and so we were, like, what, probably some of the first like 20 people to get there. And so we got, like, great balcony seats. Um and everything and then we got to watch like the lower level fill up and i remember jacob at one point like 
literally right before nine o'clock hit he was like how much is that spot filled up by now because we could just hear people still filing in and he stands up and he's like oh holy shit because it got from that balcony seat you can only see the floor up to so much and there was a while we're like oh i can still see that there's not many people and then jacob stands up he's like ah it's fucking packed down there dog yeah. I was like, <laughs> there's bodies bodies everywhere yeah that's but it was, it, it was cool dude it was my first floater show um you could tell they have a really like deep fan base like a lot of people brought their kids yeah um, there's yeah, a lot of younger people there they had like i saw a whole family like a big ass family all with like shirts like it was nuts man it was nuts um but they brought the energy like everyone was like super vibing singing along to the songs um when it hit 12 o'clock also like you know they did like a little like balloon thing or like they brought out balloons and stuff so it was cool yeah that was i think because because floaters are kind of known for doing these new year's shows like they usually i remember at least from my like from the time i've been following floater matt you can probably attest to this even more they do these new year's shows but they do them usually at the crystal ballroom which i've never been to but i've heard is a great venue it's like in oregon the two venues you want to go see floater at uh are now the mcdonald and the crystal ballroom it used to be the wow hall when they were still playing the wow right because because you know the wall or the wow halls a fuck the size of a fucking postage stamp so it just got mm. it got lit in there uh <laughs> yeah. but uh so finally getting to go to one of these uh new year's eve floater shows was was really awesome and jacob i know that you kind of your first experience with a floater show was kind of interesting you know you got them covering a Pink Floyd album with animals and then them doing the 20th anniversary for Alter. So, yeah, you basically <laughs> you basically got introduced to a whole new album by them, which was I, did, I was yeah. thinking about I was thinking about that this morning. What, what, what was your kind of take on that? I liked it. I like all of the yesterday building up to the show. I was like listening to Floater um, and some of the songs off that album Alter came on. Um, and I couldn't, I wasn't too familiar enough to like recognize it. Like if I heard it, I'm like, oh, that's this song or that's this song. But like their whole set list um, from the first half of the Pink Floyd stuff to the actual album, like it was electric. Um, and the people there too, like they were all into it. Some people I could see like over in the crowd, like they'd make like little like two person, three person, like little mosh things that they were doing. Um, but yeah, it was fucking cool. That was really cool um i didn't realize because it's like three people is it three people mainly it is yeah okay. yeah because i know that they had like another dude in the guitar and then at one point like i didn't hear anything but then i heard someone on keys and i look over and i'm like oh fuck there's someone over there like fucking going off on that yeah yeah they um man there's just there was so much cool shit you know and as far as albums that they could have chosen to cover uh more so bands uh to cover a whole album from i think pink floyd was the perfect pick because rob the singer and bassist his voice sounds so much like david gilmore as is Mm -hmm. like he he does have like uh like a david gilmore sound to him and then to pick an album like animals that is it's fucking it's a punch in the face for only five songs you know you listen to that whole piece of work front to back is is awesome 
like when uh, they did Pigs, uh, three different ones, when they did that song and Rob started off and he was like, Pink Man, Pink. I was like, uh, yep. Yeah, they. I don't care. Like, if they would have done another album, I wouldn't have given a fuck. But the fact that they did Animals, like, it was the perfect fucking thing. And then to touch on what Jacob said, the two guitar kind of addition that they did uh, was awesome for, like, Dogs. Like, that second half of Dogs, when it's just mainly the guitar solo throughout it, and they were just sitting there fucking in each other's faces just trading riffs. I was like, oh, my God. I literally, I, I turned to both of you at one point. I was like, you know what, man? Fuck our albums for tomorrow. I was yeah. like, I just want to talk. I was like, I just want to talk about them covering animals. Like, just the mm-hmm. first half of the show was, I. It blew me the fuck away, you know, because animals. Like we were talking, like Alter, not the most popular floater album, highly underrated. Mm-hmm. Animals is kind of the same thing for Pink Floyd, you know, because it is like a smaller, like a shorter album or whatever. It's not as whatever recognized but god damn dude they fucking slaughtered it and then that little intermission and then coming back and doing alter uh i think one of my favorite moments that like i managed to catch a video of and it's like giving me chills even talking about it now for like the fifth time since i left um (laughs) was when they were doing crusader and that line where he says uh something all the virtues of going insane and he like kind of yells it the whole crowd nailed it and yelled it at the yeah, same I, time as I him. That too. I dude that and too. every like everyone in the crowd like started going like whoo they were like damn we really just fucking nailed that and i was like yo that was that <laughs> moment right there jacob if you could if i could bottle that moment and say this is like a, yeah. a real good uh representation of how big floater is to big music fans in the in oregon that moment right there yeah. that's one of like everyone nailing that lyric and then being so hyped about it and like you could even even from where we were i could tell rob was kind of like oh yeah baby you know like fuck yeah and just kept jamming but i heard it fuck. yeah i didn't know what song it was but everyone said like the same scream that he did and yeah like, the whole fucking building like sang with him it was fucking nuts i might i'm gonna find a way i'm gonna put a snippet of it at this part because i have it on my phone i'm gonna i'm gonna do some chopping Scratched into the pages of your reflected face Can you wash off the dirt from the years on the road Preaching all the virtues of going inside This feeling like all we children are lost, dying like sparrows in frost. A lot of editing is going to go into this episode, boys. We've oh, got yeah. some big shit. We got I'm going to send anything too. I got a bunch of video from last night. But that, I might... that, that show was epic. Like you guys are all saying, you know, yeah. Jacob, it was your first introduction to Floater. And like, what a great way to, to see that band, you know. They don't o- open up with their own stuff. They do another band stuff and they kill it. I mean, Pink Floyd by themselves are amazing musicians. And to cover any song or even an album from start to finish, that's pretty incredible. Uh, the second song on that album, Dogs, is like over 10 minutes long. And 
I didn't think Floater was going to cover 18. the song. 18, yeah. It's, it's 18 they, minutes They long. covered everything in there. They're doing all the parts. Um, a lot of the arrangements that were on that Animals album, you know, Rob did, whether it was vocally, he kind of changed his effect on one of the songs to sound like Roger Waters a little more. Um, but it was just so amazing. I was like, how are they doing this? They're so good, you know. It was, uh, it was a great rendition of that album. And going into Alter after that, you know, from start to finish with Zero Hour and then ending it with Four Down and a Toast and having the crowd sing with them. A lot of people know that song. Like, it's not my favorite song, that last song on the album, but once you started hearing everybody sing it together, it was kind of cool to kind of go out that way and, and bring in the new year a little bit. So, yeah, what an amazing show, you know. I wish I could have heard Danny Boy, but I got to hear it in Portland earlier in the month, so that was a treat. Um, right. They're just, they're so good. Even with the technical difficulties that Dave had during a song, kind of in his, it was like his part, his solo is coming up, and then I don't, I think the guitar got unplugged or something happened with an amplifier, but Rob's like, we don't leave anybody behind, you know. And yeah, it's cool to see that camaraderie and like they just went with it. The crowd was fine with it and they improved and came back and he got back and did a solo. It was cool. And and to touch on that, the technical difficulty side, they handled it like it was such a you could have told me like that lasted five seconds to me, you know, that whole exchange. And <clears throat> excuse me, they're the epitome of professional, oddly enough. You know, they're just, but they have so much fun. Like, you can tell, like, Rob, like, they're all, and they're all, like, aging, you know, definitely. Like, I haven't, like, the last time I saw Floater, I was fucking 17. So we're talking, like, damn near a decade the last time I saw Floater. Rob still had short black hair, and now he's doing this Christopher Lloyd trying to be Herman Munster (laughs) look, and... It's awesome, but he's like sitting there jumping up and down, playing the bass. Like they're just having so much fun, but they're decked out in suits and like playing this hella yeah. aggressive. Like their whole shtick last night, mm-hmm. like made me fall in love with this band for like the eighth time. You yeah. know, I was like, God damn, dude, these guys. Like, and it's the thing that you know Matt and I have said time and time again. We said it when we covered Angels in the Flesh on this. It's like. I really wish this band were more popular, but also at the same time, I'm really fucking glad that they're not because we get so many opportunities like last night, you know, to go see them at a beloved Eugene venue. Uh, My favorite venue to go to in Eugene is the McDonald's. So seeing them at my favorite venue on New Year's Eve, you know, because, you know, everyone was asking, like, I know so many people that were like, ah, I ain't really doing anything for New Year's Eve. And I was like, I'm about to go have the fucking time of my life, dude. I'm going to sit in a balcony, have a few beers and fucking watch Floater, you know, do some great shit. And, you know, the the whole time was just I was a, I was like a little boy. I was just giddy. So thank you, Matt, for kind of setting that whole thing up. Shout out to you for real. Oh, of course. And, yeah. Yeah, touch, on, touch on Rob's vocal again like there's there's musicians and vocalists out there that play any genre of music that sound great on record or in the studio but in li- a live show it's it's a bit different not that they're like not the same but it's not the same with Rob he sounds like he does on an album and he's got one of the more unique voices that I've ever heard in any genre of music and I always like hearing him live because he just he just cares so much about his performance and he, he kills it every time and I was glad that they had the visuals in the background, not only for the Animals album, because there was some weird stuff going on with the animals and the pig with the corn dog in his mouth. Uh, but even yeah. when they did their set, their altar set, holy crap, I've never seen some of those movies they had going in the background, and some of it was weird shit, and they've always done that. And Dude, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a cool side 
thing to look at to kind of focus away from the music and watch that for a minute and you can still mm-hmm. hear the music and it's always been a floater thing and i was so glad you guys got to see that because that's one of the best parts about a floater show is the visual aspects so i, I swear yeah. at one point i was like in a trance i was just like staring at the screens and like trying to see what the fuck it was mm-hmm. same thing with the pigs the pigs was i thought was hilarious because at one point they just had like of just a still image of a pig just rotating like on for like two minutes and i was like that was that was one of my favorite jacob moments from the show was he leans over to me and he's like what's with the fucking pig and he's just laughing he's like he's laughing his ass off he's like what's with the fucking pig i'm like oh this song is called pigs it's it's off of animals and he's like oh that he's like that makes so much more sense just a fucking rotisserie pig or some shit like just yeah and to give some credit to Pink Floyd, just on a side note, like that album, Animals, the, even the lyric structure and the way they wrote that, it's about pigs and sheep and dogs. And like to make an album and like make it sound not like that, it was just, it's an incredible thing to do. You know, I don't think I ever listened to the lyrics as much as I did last night for that album than I did. So mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to hear it. Yeah. Like I was listening yesterday. I was and kind of Friday night, I was like, all right, I, uh, I'm going to hear Animals. Let me kind of get reacquainted with this album because I'd only ever heard it like fucking probably not even one full time. And yesterday before I went to the show, I kept playing dogs because I was like, God damn, like there's just so much in this. And then we get to the show. And as soon as I heard them do uh, pigs, three different ones, I was like, fuck, dude. I was like this. I was like, it's hard. Like if we were to do a top three off this album, I would just have it, the whole thing. I would just yeah. be like, this whole album's great. Um, and one more thing I wanted to throw on about them just being like kind of having fun with us was uh, when they played Weightless, and it was like right between them finishing like here for the night and then going into Weightless. Someone in the bowl started smoking a joint, <laughs> or like yes. multiple people did, yeah. and he's like. He's like, what are y'all is lighting it the fuck up in here? Did you bring enough to share with the class? <laughs> I hope you did. And then he like kept that mental note and then they start playing Weightless and then in the middle of it, they start, it's already has kind of like this reggae instrumentation feel to it. Uh, they started fucking making it more like boom. And he was doing his best like Bob Marley, yeah. And then he just leaned into the mic and he's like, y'all are high as fuck, dude. And then just broke it back down, back into the song. I I thought that was so funny. I was like, man, that's. There was a lot of improv too, throughout some of the songs on Alter too that I had heard. And they always do that, you know, they always add their own spin, whether it's another song from a different band, they like incorporate that into the song they're doing. But he did that a few times and just kind of did his own poetic solo stuff. It's it's cool to see him open up like that and not give a fuck about what he's saying. It's why I've always liked him. Uh, you know, going to a show of theirs is because you could listen to something on the album. Like you and I have talked about the various different versions of Danny Boy they do. They even change the lyrics on Crusader or add right. some a little bit to Crusader. Uh, they did it with uh, Come See Everything also. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's awesome because you know you could fall in love with a song off the record and then you go see them live and you're like ah fuck man i didn't think i could love that song anymore and then they make it that much more either aggressive or you know thoughtful whatever you know they just add some sort of little peppa to it shall we dive into the show we dive yes floater forever thanks boys for going with me
It's a blast. Absolutely. I'll be right back, and then we'll dive into what you spinning. Spinning. All right, y'all. It's time to switch it over to talking about some albums. Uh, this is What You Spin in episode 36. Uh, first episode of the new year on the first day of the new year, January 1st. Uh, had a great time at the, at the Floater Show last night, as you saw in the first uh, about 20-ish minutes of this episode. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Dorian. I'm joined by my boys, Matt and Jacob. How are you fellas doing this morning or this afternoon? Doing good. Doing Long swell. Night. Long fun night, but doing good. Right. We're gonna talk about some good music. Glad we got to see some amazing music last night, and it's just been a great weekend. Yeah, and excited. I'm excited for, uh, as always, excited for the end of the episode where we let each other know what's coming up. I think you guys are gonna have some fun with my next pick. Uh, yeah. I know next episode for me, I'm gonna be saying a lot about mine. I'll have to try to shut myself up, but. Enough about that. Let's stop talking about the future. Let's talk about right fucking now. And what we're about to do right now is have Matt introduce us to his album for this week. Well, we're going to the past instead of the future today. We're going back to 1978, uh, Hemispheres by Rush. Recognized albums, uh, a very short album. Um, I think there was it, four songs, uh, thirty-six minutes. Yep. But but with Rush and the way they make music, you know, they can take any song and make it amazing, whether it's two minutes or twelve. And um, they definitely have the prog rock feel, and you can hear it all throughout this album, from the opening of Cygnus X One, Part Two, um, to the last song, La Via Stragnato, which is one of my favorite Rush songs. Even though it's mostly instrumental, I think Getty Lee does some harmonizing at the end. But what an amazing song. Uh, and Neil Peart, as a songwriter, very inspirational in the way he does his thing on this album. He just takes all these topics um, and puts his own spin on it. And he's he's so unique. I don't think I've ever listened to a, a cooler songwriter when it comes to prog rock. Um, Tool's great, but Rush is kind of where it started. And I love this album. Love the album cover. I'll bring it up again. It's got the brain. And um, some similar artists that we used to list that we've used before. I forgot what the artist's name was or the album cover we looked at, but that same artist was kind of the inspiration for this one, too. I think it was the Gary Newman cover, that same artist. Um, gotcha. Yep. I was about to say, I think it was. I was going to say, I was like, was it Gary? I was like, I can't remember. Yeah. So. But Neil, uh, I think he, Neil Pert incorporated the gong and the timpani, I think I'm saying that right, in his percussion on this album for the first time. And I think he kind of put that into Rush moving forward after this album. So yeah. I got a lot of things to say about it. What do you guys think? Just to, just to dive off of 
something that you just said um, uh, about Neil Peart is I feel his um, his songwriting kind of prowess gets overlooked. Give me one second. Um, his songwriting prowess kind of gets overlooked in a sense because of how fucking incredible of a drummer he was, you know, you know, you look at any, any top 50, top 10 drummer list for the past, uh, fuck 50 years, probably he's right at the top. He's, he always, and still to this day, he, he is, you know, and so having, such a powerful and impressive drummer and having that be your kind of main thing that you're known for he's the drummer of rush and you know a lot of people wouldn't know hey he actually was the songwriter for a lot of that shit too is is kind of overshadowed by how impressive he is on the kit which oh shit that's too bad that that's why your songwriting gets overshadowed you know it's like it's like oh no one knows I'm a good songwriter yeah but they know you as the best fucking drummer of all time all right neil so put a put a cork in it <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah yeah but it is and this is like the most prog rock album you're going to find like this is you someone asks you what prog rock is you just put on hemispheres and you're like here you go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True, yeah. I I heard I'd heard of uh, I've heard of Rush, but not this album. Um, really fucking good, and it's wild that it's only four songs. Um, and the first song, uh, Cygnus, it kind of sounds like it's like multiple songs in one. Yes, mm-hmm. it has kind of like sections that it breaks off into, um, like that the four four minute mark, like the second part, um, that kicks off really good. Um, same thing, kind of at like the twelve minute mark, it like slows down and then it goes back into it. Um, and yeah, her her vocals too, like iconic. Is it a female that's singing? Is it no? Nah. Is it a he dude? Sounds, he sounds got that high voice, but that's just a male. Let's get it. Whoa! See, I I would this whole time I thought it was a girl. That's fucking nuts. It's a dude, but he's like his voice. It's it's really unique because it sounds like a like a girl. Like you don't, no one really sounds like him. That's great. So he, he got a lot of shit back in the the when they came out about his vocal and his voice, but you know he never gave up. He kept doing it. He's fucking. No, that nobody that's sounds not... like Eddie Lee for sure. Yeah, yeah. and right. I mean he also looks like a fucking librarian, so it didn't really help his case <laughs> that much. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Fuck, I that's Professor her. McGonagall I looking her. ass. Right. <laughs> that blew my mind, dude. I I thought the longest time it was a a female vocalist. Holy shit. It changes everything but i mean that's that's what's unique about it too like if you can sound like that that puts you apart kind of same thing with a lot of like newer one thing that comes to mind is like Cody and cambria like their vocalist also he has a very very high pitch voice kind of sounds like a girl at points too um but yeah his vocals on this really good he has really good range um a song that i noticed that a lot more was on circumstances his vocal range on that it it he goes like super high um same thing with uh some parts on cygnus where when he's singing and it's cool that they have like that build up and then they're kind of pause then they go back into it um the bass line on i think that second half of cygnus is really good um but yeah this whole album man fucking nuts for only being four tracks it's fucking fantastic. It's super good. 
Matt's Matt is now the master of bringing up albums that are uh, make you feel bad about picking a top three on. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. With Godspeed, because like I remember, like fell in love with Godspeed, you Black Emperor. That that raise your fists or raise your skinny fists album, and I was like, motherfucker. And then he brings up Hemispheres, and I hadn't ever listened to the full thing. The only song I knew off of it was the Trees, which is one of my favorite Rush songs. Mm-hmm. And then I pulled it up and i was like this motherfucker i was like matt did it again <laughs> i was oh, like this bastard <laughs> it's just but it it's again like just like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode about the floater show you know how pink floyd managed to put an album out like that and you know it's like it's something kind of funny about like being a fan of music if you're you're either a a huge pink floyd fan or b a huge rush fan or you're a fan of both. Like it's like it's such a disparity. It's like there's such a disparity between the two. Like people that are huge Pink Floyd fans hate Rush, and then vice versa. But then there's normal people like me and Matt who are like they both fucking rock, dude. Right. Like Rush is Rush is fucking tight. Pink Floyd's fucking tight. Like, <laughs> oh, by the way, there's Floater too. So yeah. Oh, by the way, if you want, that. they're all great. If you yeah. want all of that in one. Yeah. In uh, one thing that I've always, you know, being that I've being that I've been playing bass for a shit long time now is one thing I always appreciated that like, and you know, being like being a multi, like playing multiple instruments for me, I was like, Alex Leifson's a hell of a fucking guitarist. I remember learning oh, YYZ, so. like, like trying to learn most of YYZ on the guitar as a kid. And then tough. tough as fuck. Neil Pert never tried to learn anything off of that because I don't have a drum kit at all. And I couldn't afford one that has 80,000 drums on it and a gong and three timpanis. And then, like, mm. but, like, bass, like, you want to talk about just, like, underrated, like, bass lines? Fucking Getty Lee, dude. He's just in the background of this whole album. It's just, like, just, like, grooving. Mm. But the whole band is doing that, so it kind of gets drowned out in this sound, which is really a testament to how great, this again, the songwriting is, but how well these three musicians kind of mesh, you know, to just do something like that and have it be such just like a a hodgepodge of sound coming at you but and then being able to use you know uh, the other half of your brain or whatever the however the fuck you decipher an instrument within a song it's i feel like there's only a few trios out there musician wise that have been able to do it as well as bands like rush my only comparison i'm gonna throw out there is primus because that's my closest you know as far as vocal style playing style and just like unique up obscure stuff like rush was kind of that thing back in the 70s you know when they first came out that was different you know it wasn't so mainstream we lost him no No, man and it's and i think it's like if you can have if you if three musicians can do that that kind of music as opposed to like six or seven they're on the same stage it just it says mm-hmm. something about how much you know love they have for what they're doing and like being able to work together so cohesively and stuff like that it's really fun to watch and hear yeah have so you've seen Rush before right I've seen Rush I've seen Primus and Floater of course yeah well yeah so uh, seeing all uh, different takes on it you know and Rush did a three hour set you know, at one of the last tours they ever did. So to be that age and go on longer than maybe Floater and Primus would now, you know, it's it's amazing. It's just that's that's their standard. That's what they do when they yeah. go out. They're not going to, you know, mimic that or try to do something else. It's too bad that Neil Peart passed away because we'll never be able to see Rush on stage again. But 
there's lots right. of cool videos out there that you can get that experience right away. Mm-hmm. So you did. So you did manage to see him before. I did. Because I did, didn't. They do like they tried to do another tour with like another drummer. I don't know if they did or not. After the Clockwork Angels album came out, I saw him on that tour up in okay Hillsboro or Troutdale up in okay at the theater up there. But after that, I think they. I don't know if they tried to do it again, and he might have got sick and they canceled. I don't remember. Okay. Um. But no, like that's it. Just like you said, man. Like we've covered to to compare it to something that we've covered on the show, mm-hmm. Slipknot, right? Inc- incredible band, nine motherfuckers in that band. Mm-hmm. So you have something like that. I mean, obviously, we're comparing fucking oranges to pineapples right now. So com- so forget the genre. Just think about music, right? Sure. You get Slipknot with nine motherfuckers creating a sound, which. Granted, they probably do need those nine peoples to get the sound that they specifically create. But to have a band be this powerful and this influential and come out at a time where bands were massive. You had bands like the Grateful Dead that were fucking huge at the time. And then, you know, like... Yeah, Kiss and all these huge bands. Exactly. As much as I hate Kiss, I mean, they were huge back in that day, you know. Exactly. So these four or five piece trios, you know, that are or four or five piece bands that are going on and then they just get their asses handed to them as far as musicianship goes by three fucking Canadians. Like, right. mm-hmm. <laughs> like they, then after the show, they go back to their hotel rooms and Neil reads a book and Getty, you know, has a beer and goes to bed. And like everybody yeah. else in the other bands are like fucking people and like doing their thing. Yeah. Just, not rush. It's like they were just so humble all the yeah. time doing sudoku and like researching einstein's theory of relativity and shit like that and it's like, like no wonder right. he wrote such good lyrics because he didn't fucking go party all the time he went back to his hotel room and started writing for the next album you know he probably yeah. had so many ideas it's pretty cool and just one fun fact and i'm gonna butcher the full statistics on this because i've i've tried i've had this in my brain for years what makes neil pert such an impressive drummer and musician as a whole is uh how many rhythms he can keep track of at one time in his head or or could rest in peace um the average person i think can keep track of like the average trained drummer right can keep track of up to eight and that's like very good eight different rhythms and drum lines or whatever to, to you know keep track of in their head while they're playing uh that's the one I'm not I'm not sure what the exact number is for like the average. It's like either six or eight. But Neil Perk could keep track of sixty-four different fucking rhythms going on in his head at one time. Oh, shit. They test they tested him. They like they like did some music science test on him. They like hooked him up to these monitors and figured out like they did like a brainwave check on him basically and figured out that he was basically able to keep track of like sixty-four different rhythms going on at, while he was doing one thing, he'd be thinking of sixty-three others. Wow. that he could go into huh. and so that's what added to a lot of their entire their entire history of music was based basically off of that and his songwriting that's like the one i'm like in comparison like you if you were to meet the biggest rush fan i'm very well removed from that i love rush i have a good appreciation for him but i'm not as diehard as most people but i am a fucking diehard about musicians and like weird instrumentation about that so i found that out like because i watched a there's a really good there's fucking multiple but there's one from when neil pert was older really good like live drum solo he does for like 30 minutes and it made me go down this fucking rabbit hole about neil pert and 
that's my one crazy music fact about Rush. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. You keep that many rhythms in his head, especially when the average, right. even the the greatest, you know, mind can only have six to eight. That's amazing. Sixty four. It's crazy shit. Yeah, dude. Even looking at their like just their music catalog, like their discography, they have a lot of fucking albums. They do. Holy shit. And, and they came out at the time when like they had to, you know, change kind of their their style a little bit, you know from the 70s to the 80s the synth era and then after that you know that's i don't i don't know how you could do that you know yeah your sound the longevity of that is nuts that's fucking it's it's awesome like matt just mentioned i just want to say this real quick you know they did kind of have to try and stay relevant through basically five separate like basically four different decades Mm -hmm. worth of stuff where music was snowballing out of control and you know every album that came out there's at least one great song off of it you know you know there might be an album as a whole that's like eh i don't really like that one or whatever uh but you'll be like there's at least one song on it that's badass so managing to find relevance for 40 years basically is fuck man right my only fact about the album was with uh they spent more time recording Livia Strognato than they did their Fly By Night album. <laughs> so that one song they spent more time on than that whole album they did a few years prior. <laughs> and they did it. They took 40 takes to do the song, and they still weren't happy with it because they wanted to do it like all within like one section. And I guess they ended up having to break it up into sections because it is a massive song. It is a lot of intricate guitar work and drum work and bass line. And I don't know, man. It's a lot of musicians that I've watched documentary wise or even talk to that play music are like if i learning to play la via strognato i know i could play music like that's that's what you try to play as a musician whether it's a guitar player a drummer a bassist whatever if you can nail that song like you've got something so the whole album is technical as fuck mm-hmm. like there's so many different like techniques being used that were i mean mind you all of the respective instruments evolved from 1978 to today so you kind of have to put yourself in that headspace to to kind of think like neil pert was always like was always a technical drummer but like alex leafson is doing some crazy shit on the guitar and it's like damn like he's like almost like sweep picking which wasn't like made very prominent until like the 80s thrash metal movement like he was and i feel like like i ranted about neil pert but i gotta give my flowers to fucking alex leeson he was a fucking pioneer dude yes he was he was doing stuff on on the sixth string that people weren't doing for five six until five six years after this album came out on this album and you know you made a perfect comparison honestly like you want to compare three-piece trios as far as like every single person in the band being badass primus to rush like that's great yeah. man like because you know tim alexander great drummer you know larry ladon exactly. amazing unique guitar player in his own right so great comparison man for sure and then and then les claypool you know the slap slapping the bass had become so much more prominent in you know prog alternative metal slash rock music by the time you know stuff like frizzle fry started coming out so getty was doing like these guys were doing the best musicianship with how far music had come at that time does that uh, that's kind of what i'm trying to say if that yeah, makes any that's sense a good point. 
but because we've talked about so many other albums that like you know we've covered frizzle fry and sailing the seas it's like all right this is completely different but these guys are also masterful musicians at that but you also kind of have to like peel those layers back to get to you know 1978 when rush was fucking killing it that's a good point should we uh would you jump in the top three yeah should we do the survivor elimination of the fourth song? <laughs> I have a feeling I know. I have a feeling I know what the top threes are going to be across the board. I already know which song is not going to be on anybody's top three. <laughs> really? Okay. Matt might throw a curveball and have it on there, but let's see. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll start it off. I'm I'm not even going to throw an honorable mention. I'm just going to top three. Three, two, one. Uh, three would be circumstances. Two would be already six, fucked it up. One. Matt already fucked it up. My favorite was La Via Strognato, of course. I just the trees is a good song, but for me, lyrically, it's great. But I never, I I never, all those other three songs just stand out for me on that album. I don't know why that is. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, Matt, Matt fucked it up right off the jump. Um, Yeah, that's what I do. Well, I mean, I don't know. I I had a feeling like this. That was my personal take when I was listening to this again this morning. Um, but the trees has always been one of my favorite rush songs. And I realized we didn't really touch on it because Matt, you and I just, let's just cover it real quick. Yeah. Matt, you and I were talking about the lyricism behind it because it's kind of like the oaks versus the maples. Yeah. Cause yeah. the oaks are taller than the maples and the maples want to get their shade and everything. And it's like, it's such a deep, it's such an insane way to talk about like classism, you know? Because it's like, yeah. oh, the, the upper class has this and the lower class wants it, but and the maples scream oppression and the oak or and the oaks just shake their heads or whatever it was. And like, dude, that honestly, like I dove into the lyricism of that yesterday before I went to the show and I was like, Holy Christ. I was like, this is actually unreal. Like the trees and it's always been one of my favorite rush songs like matt when we were working at the branch i used to sing that at you all the time the fucking the problem with the maples (laughs) (laughs) like uh so that being said uh my top three number three la via strognata or strognato uh number two cygnus and number one is the trees i fucking love that song nice yeah my i'm leaving out circumstances but it is honorable mention just because it's the only other track (laughs) <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> the, the vocal, the vocals on that is fucking nuts. Right, he's, uh, got, like said, he's got a great range. Yeah. yeah, he that 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 song he has insane range. Um, my favorite is um, La Via Strugnato. It's like an instrumental track. I love instrumental tracks. The beginning of it, I was we were talking about this yesterday. It sounds like some fucking like the gummy shit from uh, Kingdom Hearts. That's what I was thinking about, and kind of also like a, like the Pikmin game. It just sounds like a video game like intro, and then it gets into like the guitars and shit, and that was really cool. Um, and then I'm gonna go the trees second, and then Cygnus, uh, just because that whole song is just fucking jam packed of like crazy guitars, crazy drumming, fucking love it. There is a video too, I think from 1979 or maybe 78 of that song live. And they're all just it's amazing if you guys have a chance it's on youtube the love via strognato yeah it's from the monterey pop festival back in that day but watch that and you'll be like fuck they're doing it on stage how are they mm-hmm. doing that hell crazy. yeah well 
that was Hemispheres by Rush, uh, released in 1978, which was Matt's pick for this week. Uh, we'll be right back to uh, go in a completely different direction and shoot a little bit into the future with uh, Jacob's pick. Yes, uh All right. So it is now time to bring up Jacob's pick from or for this week. But before we dive into that, I just wanted to give a quick shout out. Y'all might have noticed uh, last week's episode. And if you're on the YouTube page, I haven't updated it on the Spotify yet. Uh, but if you were on the YouTube page, you might have noticed uh, some new logos and uh, kind of intro screens that we've got going on. Uh, we have made a couple upgrades. We got a new, brand new logo made by my cousin Michaela. Uh, yes, thank you. If you guys need art commissioned or anything, or just want to follow a good artist on Instagram, art by MPCO underscores between every word. Uh, she is fucking phenomenal. Uh, she did a logo for me for my jerky company. I've got shout out five leaders jerky on Instagram. Uh, and then I approached her about this and she literally before the last recording we did before the last episode we did, I called her like an hour beforehand. She sent me finalized images within two hours after we wrapped up the cast. Like it was like literally like within like six, seven hours, she had new logos and an intro screen, the one with the brick wall. Um, and then also gave me some resources to make uh, some more cooler things going on. So if you're a visual enjoyer of what you spin in, you'll see some pretty fucking cool visual shit. Uh, yeah. As we continue to go on this episode, there'll be some cool stuff added. Um, we're making moves. We're making moves. Um, uh, also, I didn't. Thank you so much for the logo. For real. It's fucking badass. I'll let I will send her a clip of this. Um, and also one thing we kind of just like moved right on into the the regular episode. So I forgot to touch on some stuff. Uh, my buddy Jorge was unable to meet with us today. Uh, his day got a little crazy. Uh, so he will unfortunately not be able to talk about White Pony by Deftones with us today. But because I know that I will end up bringing up an album that he likes and would like to hop on we will end up seeing him at some point. He is a really good guest that I would like to uh, get booked uh, and more solidified uh, for an episode. I think you guys would really like him. Um, but without further ado, Jacob, what on God's green earth are you bringing up, my man? Yeah, so I brought up some hip-hop uh, clips, Lord willing. I was about four when I walked past that door that should have been closed where I first witnessed the raw. See, in my household, it was quite unique. Playing hide and seek, you might find a key. Caught glimpse accidental it. Branded my mental pals, my role model in that Lincoln Continental. Bought all my friends ices. It was about six, and when he pulled off, I was like, see, told you we was rich. How I turned out, let it be no surprise. When they speak of Cousin Ricky, it brings tears to the eyes. See, my family got a history of hustlers. Little brother, big brother, mother, the grandmother in tradition. When I was a young boy. It's their official debut. Uh, came out in 2002. Um, I got a whole lot to say. There's a lot to say about this album, about this group, the production, who's in it. 
the time that it came out, everything. So I'm gonna let y'all just talk about it for a little bit before I jump in. Threw me off a little bit. I think the album cover, I was expecting something different, but like right away from the opening track, or I think it's the second track, Young Boy, it just like has that soul funk vibe to it. And it has kind of a late 90s, early 2000s hip hop vibe. And it was, it was stellar, you know? I was like, oh shit. I, I know who that is, you know, and it just had a lot of cool production parts to it. The beats were great. Um, just a fun album from start to finish. I liked it. I was not very familiar with Clips until I met you, Jake, and you, like, put me on because you and I talked and we, you know, you and I were talking about Pusha T and stuff and you said, oh, have you heard Clips? And I was like, no. And you kind of explained to me what that is. And so I went and listened to, you know, a couple of tracks, never gave like a full album a listen. Um, And so when you brought this up, I was like, all right, here we go. You know, like old school, like, like shout out Pusha T, man. That man's voice has not changed. You know, like some rappers, like Mm -hmm. you listen to like Busta Rhymes, for example. Yeah. Aged, aged like fucking half week old milk. Like. (laughs) <laughs> like his voice, like he can still he can still deliver really fast, but his voice, you can tell that he's getting old. You know, you listen to like the best example of that. Just real quick. Listen to Scenario by A Tribe Called Quest and then listen to Disgeneration by A Tribe Called Quest. He features on both tracks and he sounds older than shit on the on the second. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but Pusha T didn't age at all. You know, he's still a fucking he's still rapping about slinging coke in virginia (laughs) to this day you know whether it's on a feature track on a freddie gibbs album or on you know daytona you know stuff like that like it's and it is you know it is a perfect time capsule for early 2000s hip-hop whether it's production or writing or you know delivery anything it is like like literally, if you were to put what's music in in the year two thousand, you this would be an album that would be in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Faith, Ev- like who who's on the album? Faith Evan, yeah. Bosco Pico Pico Chains, uh, fucking uh, Jermaine Dupri. Um, they have remixes on this that have freaking. Uh, <laughs> they have Sean Paul, Birdman, <laughs> Bird Lil Man. Wayne, Nor Noriega, like all these like. It totally encapsulate early like 2000s hip hop. Uh, Fabulous. He used to be massive in the 2000s, like fucking huge. Yeah, like this this whole album. It's it screamed 2000s, and especially with the production, the Neptunes, uh, Chad Hugo, Carlos Williams. Did they produce the whole thing? Yeah, they produced the whole album. And I mean, fucking nuts, man. Like, talk about like producers of the fucking decade man like of the 2000s when you think of like production you think of neptunes after hearing this album i'm like oh that's why pharrell got so big like he's that that's uh, that's huge dude you can just hear it and it's, it's just so good i never heard this album before and didn't know he had so much production on it so it was just it was like oh that's why he's so big and this is what kind of helped him start out so yeah amazing and and so I was talking with my roommate Gavin before we started the show, and he's like, "What are you guys covering today?" And I told him I was like, "Oh, we're doing Rush." I brought up Deftones, and then Jacob brought up Clips, which is like Pusha T's basically like first album. And he was like, "What?" And I said, "Yeah, it's like 
basically because I didn't know, like I didn't look it up. I was like, it's basically fully produced by Pharrell Williams and the Neptunes. And he's like, wait, Pharrell Williams was producing shit back then. I said, that's how Pharrell got started, dog. Like he was producing shit in like the late nineties, you know, like, and then it just grew and grew and grew into now. It's kind of interesting, like his career to look at Pharrell, he was a producer and then he started making his own music. And then he's like, fuck, fuck all that. I'm going to start producing beats again. Probably the best career move he could have made, to be quite yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, when you when you think about producers, he is up there, dude. He's up there with, with Kanye, with, you know, like these massive producers. Um, and for good reason, not only like the full albums that he did, but who he produced for. Um, he has a lot of tracks that he, you know, for Britney Spears, for um, Justin Timberlake, like massive, massive productions that became hits but this album specifically um and it's kind of nuts because it's Pusha T and Malice um they're brothers uh, from Virginia and it's crazy because at first they were solo they weren't rapping together and Pharrell kind of told them like hey you guys should be a duo be a group and that's how they came together and they formed clips um and their first album this is technically their second they did have a first album that they made um but the record company that they were signed with um they didn't do too well with their like first two singles so they dropped them so, so they just shelled the album and didn't they shelled the album yeah they shelled the album um and then pharrell he was like hey i'm gonna help you guys out again uh, i started my own label star trek you guys i'll sign you guys and we'll make an album so then they made this album. So without Pharrell like being there, like we probably wouldn't have had clips or this album. It's a good point. Like, it's it's fucking nuts. And Pharrell, he has a lot of influence, um, not only on music but on Pusha T's career a lot because he produced two of their albums, um, this one and the one that came out after this. Um, and I mean the whole track list you could kind of look at and every time that you hear it you hear very prominent neptunes and with the beat selections that they do it's very jazzy very funky um same thing with the fucking lyrics like pusha t is regarded as like the coke rapper like he is the best coke rapper if if there's talking about drugs it's talking about slanging something like it's pusha t you know it's so it's such a funny thing to be known for, but right? he's yeah. so good about rapping about cocaine. I don't understand it. Yeah. I don't know why. Like in we were playing Xbox, you know, last week and Jacob and I were, you know, really cutting a promo for Pusha T. We're like, "Matt, nah. If you like clips, you're going to love Pusha T because he's like the main dude in clips and his solo work is incredible. And we're like talking about Daytona and shit, which I really want to bring up on this at some point. Like, and it's like a theme throughout his thing, you know, like he'll rap about like meaningful shit from time to time, but his best shit is rapping about cocaine somehow. Like, I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what he's known for. That Pusha T, like, that's the first thing you think about. Like, he is the coke rapper. Um, and it's crazy that on this album, they're so young still um, as a duo in their careers, but they sound so like ahead of their time for it being their first album. Like they already both sound like complete rappers. Like, you know, they have great flows. 
great rhyme schemes. Um, you could hear it throughout a lot of the songs. They rap so well. They go in between like the beats and everything. Um, I think one of my first times when I heard um, this album, it was uh, Gangsta Ling, and we were on a road trip. Um, me, George, Nathan, and I think my parents, we were going to California. And George was like, hey, you want to listen to something? I was like, yeah. He was like, don't judge me. Because <laughs> he thought I wouldn't like it. Uh, but he played Gangsta Lean. And at that point, like, I was hooked. Like, I was like, oh, this is fucking dope. I like the beat on it. Push a T is going off. Like, um, and yeah, shout out George. That was like my introduction to this album. But yeah, the, a lot of the tracks on this, like, it's such a throwback feel to it. Um, Comedy Central with Fabulous, like, goddamn, dude. So good. And even him, like, he does so well on rapping. He does a lot of R&B stuff at the time that he was doing, but he raps really well. Um, a lot of the songs, too, they have, like, very catchy hooks. Like, yep. goddamn, like, goddamn. God like, damn. you hear that? It's a new day. Like, yep. bro, will any song Pharrell is on is a hit. Yeah, like it, it's a fucking. I was gonna hit. say that's where you hit. That's where you get the hooks, and like, you're like, oh, it kind of drew me in that way. I was like, what? Yeah, what's going on in there? Yeah. But I think you, like you said earlier, like we've all been saying, without the production behind this album, I don't think it would be as as loud as it was. I mean, it had to be there to make this work. All those, yeah. all those guys getting together to do this has been it was a great outcome. Yeah, and it's like. Uh, you get kind of the funkiness of Pharrell, you know, on songs like Cot Dam or Young Boy. Well, yeah, dude, that's your man, yeah. But then you get songs like Grindin', which is like, damn, if this came out in like the freestyle era, this would be like Push a T type beat on YouTube, you know, yeah. like there would be there would be hella drunk college wipe kids like fucking rapping yeah. over this beat. Because mm -hmm. it just it goes hard. And I was like, I, I was very surprised by that because, you know, the first part of the album is very kind of funky. Virginia kind of not so much. But then grinding, it's like, damn, this is a grimy song, you know? Yeah. Grinding, it's it's their biggest song. Um, it charted super well when it came out of this thing as a single. And grinding, like, it's such a easy beat. It, it sounds so simple. But, like, I remember in school, like, I would hear kids like doing that on the school lunch tables, like during lunchtime, the beat to freaking grinding, dude. Fucking nuts. Like it that much of a fucking impact. Like I was still hearing it in fucking middle school. Um, dude, it's like, it's insane. The production that, you know, it could still like over the test, the test of time, like it still holds up, holds up super well. It does. This whole album, man, I have a lot of appreciation for it. Um, I did have lyrics for probably one of my favorite songs, the last song, uh, I'm Not You, um, with fucking Jada Kiss, nuts. Um, yeah, the fact that there's a Jada Kiss feature on this, too, is fucking mm -hmm. unreal. It's yeah. bonkers. <laughs> and Jada Kiss at the time, too, like, he, he started the same thing, like, late 90s, 2000s, and he was very big at the time. Same thing with Style, uh, Style P. Um, but a thing with like, um, what's the lyrics? Your... Bring them up, Mihal. <laughs> All right, fine. The lyrics, um, he says, because, all right, I gotta like build up to it because Pusha T and Malice, like, 
his brother Malice, they rap about drugs a lot. Um, but at some at one point, Malice he started veering away from that, and he stopped wanting to do rap about that because he felt like it was like a bad image. And then after a while, when they broke up, he changed his name to No Malice, and then he became a Christian. Oh I, yeah, I read about that. Yeah, yeah. So he like a completely like turn of tides, like rapping about like you know drugs and stuff to like saying no to drugs and like completely changing your image um and you could tell that on that last song um where one of his lyrics is uh says deepest regret and sympathy to the streets i see him pay for they fix when they kids couldn't eat and with this in mind i still didn't quit and that's how i know that i ain't shit like he's rapping about like he feels bad that he's like you know having to sell to these people when they don't have money but all the money that they have is, you know, for their fiend, for like, for their fix. And you could tell that he's rapping about that. Like he feels bad about it. Um, and that kind of foreshadowed his career in a way, like that he was changing the way that he was doing. Um, but for this album, when it came out, like it was nuts. Um, I could keep going on about it. <laughs> Y'all are probably sick of me uh, talking. <laughs> God, shut up. No, you're good. No, I was trying to find, I can't remember what the, I was trying to find lyrics that I liked off this too. It was just a line. It was something about like, y'all spit hatred or something like it was something about like y'all spit hatred i can't remember what fucking song it's on i was just listening to it this morning but anyways no oh, you're real fine. real funny thing also when what? cool funny story when when i was in the branch working in the branch we'd play music yes branch life please yeah we'd play music and i fucking so, <laughs> yeah sometimes i'd make playlists other times i was sick of my playlist so i just put explicit music off and just shuffle play all of my songs on Spotify. Uh, and fucking when the last time isn't explicit. So I don't <laughs> somehow. I, yeah. One song, one song ended and then I was I tried to be on track of my phone. So something like that didn't happen. Mm. And then when the last time came on and literally the first like three words is like all curse, all curse words. <laughs> It's like all curse, like super bad curse words too. And uh, I think Anya heard, Sydney definitely heard, and like looked at me. And <laughs> I was like, oh. I did, I did too, because I recognized it. I was like, is this fucking clips? Because like that was one Dude. song I did remember. And Jacob's with a member, and I just hear his drawer fly <laughs> open, and he's just like, he's like, yeah. So you wanted, what did you want? Cashier's check? And he's just like off camera, just like this. Yeah, trying to, like, I kept fucking yeah, dude, beating I kept the shit out of his fucking button. I was fat fingering and I missed the fucking skip and it kept going. It did like the whole first verse of when the last time I remember that I was at the opposite end of the road. I was just like, he's like, he like teams me. He's like, my fucking Spotify just played clips in the branch in front of so and so because it was like an it was like a regular that was like an older like crazy broad. And he and he was losing his shit. I was like, "That's the fucking funniest thing of all time, dude." Dude, I I know Sydney knows. She like looked over at me and was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah, that was that was a great memory. I have a lot of memories with this album, man. But uh, yeah, let's get into top threes. What are you guys' top threes on it? I'll go. Go ahead. My honorable mentions. Uh, grinding. 
the the first not any of the remakes just the og one and then family freestyle i really like the beats on both those songs family freestyle was was really good the beat for that uh number three for me virginia i don't know why that kind of felt like a true intro to the album even though it was you know a couple songs in uh number two comedy central and then number one for me was when the last time Nice. Uh, my honorable mention was Gangsta Lean, and then uh, number three was Comedy Central, two was Cot Damn, and then my favorite track was Young Boy. I just felt like that set the the vibe for me that for the whole album. I was like, okay, I know what I'm listening to now. It was a fun, a fun song. So, thanks, Jake. Yeah. Like this one. Yeah. yeah, Young Boy, such a funky beat. I love that beat. Uh, honorable mention. Uh, I. I could keep naming all the tracks, so I'm just going to say all the other tracks for honorable mentions. Um, but yeah, shout out, young boy. If I'm going top three, um, I'm going to go Let's Talk About It, even though it's kind of like a Jermaine Dupri song. But that beat is so good, and the lyrics from Clips, Malice and Pusha T, they're super good. Um, so Let's Talk About It, uh, Gangsta Lean, and then I'm Not You. Um, but but yeah, thanks for listening to this album. It's definitely one of my favorites. So no, it was it was a great like full introduction to them, you know. And that's like for a debut album, mm-hmm. you know, for them to come out with as like a actual whatever with all the kind of controversy that you mentioned. Like this was a good, a great piece of work to come out of that. And that was Lord Willen by Clips, which was Jake's pick for this week, released in two thousand. Uh, we'll be right back to talk about some fucking Deftones and, uh, send this bitch to the moon. (laughs) To the moon. Okay, let's bring it on home, boys. And to do that, we gotta bring up my pick. And I'm super stoked to talk about this one. Um, and it is White Pony by Deftones. their third album released in 2000 um they're it's gone platinum at this point it's their highest selling record to date uh it's considered as their most mature outing uh up until that point and even some people would say after um but it's one of my it's up there for me as far as uh new metal records uh it's it's fuck it's a it's a whole cohesive project. My favorite Deftone song comes off of the album before this, "Around the Fur." 
that album, in my opinion, isn't as complete of a project as this. And this song still, or this album has the song that introduced me to Deftones with Passenger. And uh, just, it's just, it's fucking fantastic. Uh, so I'll go ahead and put a cork in it. Y'all go ahead and uh, spit some bars. I like I like how it was your first introduction to Deftones. Because it was for me as well. But it was uh, Change, House of Flies, that song. I remember being stoned at somebody's house. And like that came on. I was like, who is this? Like, what is this? And then I'm like, oh. Um, but this is such a good album. Like, from start to finish, the, the appearances on here. You got Maynard on here. You got Scott Weiland on here. You know, you, it's just... Lyrically, it's it's more like of a experimental album. I feel like the first few Deftone albums that came out were more like personal. And on this one, Chino's just writing about whatever and just like making up stories and like putting them together and stuff like that. And having Maynard on there with the song was really cool. Um, you know, it's it's a fun album. I like uh, the fact that Terry Date's producing this album, and Terry Date comes to us from you know Slipknot and. Inky, the science album that we've reviewed, you know, Pantera, and Rob Zombie. He's just behind everything that we like, and it's cool to to hear that. I guess you can hear the Terry Date in all those albums, but he's a great producer as well. So I love this album. Great yeah. pick. God damn it, Matt, you stole all my notes. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. The the production on it, like you said, super good. A uh, lot of Tool. Like he worked with Tool and Nine Inch Nails. Like it, it's nuts, and you could hear that. Like it's very. It's very polished of an album. Um, the first time I heard of Deftones was uh, Around the Fur. Um, and the first time I heard the song off of this album was uh, Change. That was the first time I had listened to it. But never this full album. And my God, it's super good, man. Um, a lot of the songs on it, uh, they're like very not intense but they have like that metal feel and i love that like i love like a good metal song that has like good breaks on it that goes heavy on the guitar the fucking bass line on rx queen holy shit dude it's like so mysterious such a mysterious bass line um that when it comes in um and then i'm kind of more biased towards the like the back end of the album like, I love the first half, but, like, I feel like the last, like, five songs, like, are just no skips. Like, starting at Night Party, and then Korea, and then Passenger, and then Change, and then it wraps up with Pink Maggot. Like, I feel like it, the bottom half of the album is, like, perfect, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, man, great pick. Great fucking pick. I'm I'm really glad you guys liked it. I was I was curious as to how you guys would take it because Deftones is kind of like a lot of Tool fans are also into Deftones, but also I feel like eh. I don't know. It's two weird. Two different fan bases. I don't know. It's like, but I I do see like some carryover, probably because of Passenger, but not a lot. But like Deftones in like music communities like just like f- people that are hella into music and like hella into like the tooth like you know the new metal kind of alternative shit that i'm into fucking hate deftones there's so many i know which is odd to me hmm. i feel like that would be the takeaway from that era of music away from any limp biscuits and you know i love corn but even like i would represent deftones more than i would any other band in that in that era besides some of my favorites whether it's nine inch nails or bands like that but deftones you know created that sound on their own and it was hard it wasn't there was no like fluffiness about it i feel like it was just 
whether it's the the D chord or that just hard bass line, it was just very like yeah, was, you know. It and so I'm all that to say I'm super glad that you guys like this because it's because at least in my experience with you know getting it because I heard Passenger and I immediately dove into Deftone. I was like, give me the rest of their shit. I was like, that other dude. I was like, I love Maynard's feature. I was like, Bacino's voice is awesome. Yeah, the band behind him is awesome. I was like, let me go check it out. And so I did a deep dive. became became a pretty big fan of Deftones and um, just the. You know, Jake, you said you're more a fan of like the last half of the album. I completely agree with you. Obviously, I'm a fan of this whole album. But to me, the middle, it's like the middle five for me or like the middle section, you know, after uh, like, honestly, from Digital Bath. Yes. To fucking Knife Party, that like seven song stretch is so just awesome. And they you know they've got these hard tracks on it you know like knife party and passenger or elite which won a grammy for best say, metal that's performance. The one that, out of all those tracks i would not have expected that track i'm like are you kidding yeah. like what, right what's going on right i read, yeah, I read that <laughs> that blew me away it's it makes sense it's fucking I unreal it. i don't get it because I, I skipped that track and that's <laughs> yes yeah, I, I, I skipped it too i want to hear another track because i know there's better ones on this album you know and i don't right like elite to me was a throwaway track and then i you know i had researched because i was a fucking latch and key kid so i would just research album like i would hear a song and want to know everything about that band and so i did that and found out that deftone like back in the day when i got into them it was like this is their grammy song off of that and i was like how (laughs) you're like what how in the hell I'm gonna go like, listen to it again, and I tried to do that like throughout the week. You know, I was like, "Oh, I'll hear, I'll play it again. Maybe I missed something." I'm like, "Nope, I didn't miss a fucking thing." There's so many better songs on this album, and I'm maybe it's the time it came out. Like, you know, I don't know. That's all I maybe. Can I don't know. Maybe, but also like to me, it was a throwaway track. I was like, "Ah, this didn't really fit." You know, it's like it's a good song. You know, like I put it on the other day working out. You know, it's good in a setting i guess but and i played it out when i was driving because i didn't want to skip a song but anyways no it's it is like kind of a defining this album coming out in 2000 it was it was the perfect time for it to come out and if you look at if you look at music from five years before up until like six years after this is why like you know you had you know you had uh, their first two albums come out beforehand you know you had tools started popping off you know they had put out enema undertow there's influences of that on this nine inch nails started to get big there's like it's kind of from one at from one uh point of view it's kind of a hodgepodge of the past five years like the last five years of the 90s with alternative alternative metal but then you look at what this uh, essentially created and what kind of culminated off of this, which was, you know, you look at bands like Mudvayne, you know, was already starting to get kind of decently big, but they got big after this. You know, there's a lot of things I can see that influenced more uh what is it's called like i don't know what kind of genre it is but it's like it was like the stuff that you would hear on the fucking rock radio stations like puddle of mud theory of a dead man like 
all of like Deftones crawled so that way the fucking 2000 to 2010 basically I some of the tracks are good but I consider it kind of like butt rock you know like so those bands could run and get huge you know like That's Blurry by Puddle of Mud great track hella influenced by White Pony you know Shine Down, Seether, all of these bands were heavily influenced by this album, and you can fucking tell. You know, yeah. they they won't they I haven't seen anything of them coming out and saying it, but as someone who grew up listening to that and then getting into this stuff on my own, you can see the carryover and you can see the blatant fucking influence on all of this, you know. Yeah, uh that's a good point. Because because it is it is a hard like there is hard instrumentation and you know like but like the lyricism of it and then you get songs like teenager and then it wraps up with pink maggot and it's like these are actually like kind of sad like angsty kind of tracks you know uh fucking rx queen is the same way it's very angsty like because you're my girl and that's all right like that kind of shit it like that was it was like all right and now here comes the new wave of rock radio, essentially. But you're right. They they yeah. create they you know they took a lot of different genres and I think they implemented it on this album whether it was like shoegaze or trip hop or even progressive rock. They all they all kind of blended that into this album and it kind of just like you said set the tone for that whole ten year span of the bands like Puddle of Mud and you know things like that coming out. To where it, the only other option at that time is like you got Marilyn Manson and other angsty stuff that's hardcore like that but you know deftones definitely stood up and and stood ground you know from that album this album coming out in 2000 up until that era you know i think I it's, album. Like, it's, it's like really accessible too it's not at some points it does get you know like a little bit more intense like some tracks i do want to headbang to like when i listen to korea like i have to headbang to that like i have to fucking you know like you'd headbang to it but there's other songs yeah like uh rx queen that's also like really slowed down um another song that also slowed down was uh i felt like street carp wasn't too like too intense um but yeah sometimes six, they, they six, have, like, four. <laughs> oh i forget <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the lyrics well enough to, to know it but yeah, they like go like up and down at some points. They're like not as intense as the other tracks, but it's accessible. Like it's it's it something is. that if you listen to Deftones and you listen to this album, you could you could get into it. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll like the slower tracks. You'll also like the you know the crazier tracks. Um, nice party. That fucking that hook just stuck in my head, and I was like sending it to Doreen, sending it in our chat the whole time. The come get your knife. I know it's it's a good hook, like you said. Yeah. It's so good. Hold on. If you can keep vamping, I wanted to bring up something about Knife Party. Oh, God. I didn't notice the Maynard feature on Passenger until you guys said it, and then I heard it. Their vocals, like, if you don't know either vocalist, it's kind of hard to distinguish which who's singing what bars. You yeah. Know, I noticed that after, because I hadn't heard the song in a while, and I'm like, oh, that's Maynard, I think. Yeah. Yep, that's Maynard, yeah. Yeah, like, I, after after a while, I caught on, and I was like, "Oh, you could definitely tell that's that's Maynard." Yeah, his his voice is so, it's like made for rock, dude. It's, it's like it, another like it's like Rob from Floater. It's like another unique yeah. vocal, like nobody sounds like that. You know, it's it's crazy, man. Or if like, they do, they're trying to copy. A lot of people tried to sound like you know Maynard back in that that time era. 
Oh yeah. Band, you know, trying to sound like that or try to put right. That. So about Knife Party, uh, shout out to the Wikipedia article for this album uh, actually being pretty accurate. I looked at the uh, like the citations for it, and it's pretty it's pretty awesome. Uh, just this little excerpt: the opening chords for Knife Party lead into a distorted introduction with a moving bass line and a vocal bridge sung uh, by Rodlin Getchik in Spanish Arabic style. Chino Moreto was quoted as saying, it's a seductive song with a lot of violent imagery. People don't tend to like sex mixed with violence. The midsection has amazing vocals from a girl from a girl named Rod Lean who worked next door to our studio. Goes on to say, in a review of the album, iTunes noted that Jeff Buckley would have been thrilled at how Knife Party expands on the hard rock notions of his Grace album. The track's bridge finds singer Chino Moreno pulling off a worthy tribute to Buckley's falsetto. Yeah. And if you listen to it, that is probably Knife Party might be uh, the best example of Chino showing off his vocal range. Uh, however, you know, change and, you know, it's that song. It's a lot slower. And I think this is the first album he actually had rhythm guitar, like, you know, credits or yeah. rhythm guitar on this album for the first time, I think. He, he hadn't done that before, which is cool. Right. Making it more personal. And, it's to me, you know, you guys kind of were just talking about it, how some of the songs as a whole are softer and then some of the tracks are harder. But the the thing that keeps me coming back to this album and keeps coming back to this to this group in general is how they structure the songs, you know, the like street carp and knife party they both kind of start off very, you know, Chino's kind of doing his, you know, his kind of mumble whisper thing and then it the instrumentation breaks down and it's like it's funny to me to hear you guys say that because it's like it's interpreted as like a softer song because of how he sings throughout it Mm -hmm. and then but then it'll kick in you know like knife party with the come get your knife uh chorus Mm -hmm. the way that they lay out their songs to kind of show off both sides of them and and kind of the duality of the band is something that draws me back to this group time and time again yeah. So, all that to say, for I'm the fucking for, you for, like um, for like sidetracking a little bit for around the fur, is your favorite song off that album? Be quiet and drive. One hundred percent. It's my favorite Deftones song. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to throw that out there. No, be quiet and drive. Uh, off of around the fur, they're in my opinion their best song. Just, uh. Everything about it, that guitar riff, that away. Like it's so good. That album, damn near impossible to find on vinyl locally though. And this if like if I were to order it on Discogs, it's like upwards of like sixty bucks. And then I found this pressing of White Pony for like ten bucks less than I saw locally. And one second. If y'all looked into this album at all, did you see that Back to School Mini Maggot wasn't on the initial release? I, saw, I noticed that. Yeah. So, and that's what's cool about this that I have. Look at that track list. It's on there? Nope. This is an oh, OG. This is OG. This is a pressing of the OG released album. Oh, dude. Hell yeah. So what happened was they had 
Pink Maggot as the end as the ending song already. They submitted it, but they had done a harder like reimagination of it with Back to School Mini Maggot, and they didn't put it on there because Chino didn't really he didn't want it on there. They put this out, and then the record label came back to them and said, "Hey, you should re like re release it right now and throw Back to School on it." Uh, because that being the first song, if that was the first song on the album, it would really get people to, you know, buy this, you know, as the show kind of tells you, if you have a good first song on a, on an album, it's going to draw people in obviously. And Chino didn't want to do it. He fucking hated that idea, but he did it anyway because they were trying to, you know, break even more into prominence and it ended up being one of their biggest songs. Um, <laughs> I personally, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like they were gonna just do it as a single, like down the road, and they were like the record label caught wind of it, and they're like, no, you need to just put that on there, man. Like, honestly, um, so just some cool little snippet. I'm actually pretty stoked that I have the one, like the OG. That's just like cool to have. As much as I love that back to school, yeah. Like, as love as much as I love back to school, I think it's cool that I've got the OG one. But I think it, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> first pressing is always it's always cool when you have first pressing so right um you better lock that up if we come back over and hang out yeah. <laughs> it's a re it's a repress of the first pressing so y'all won't y'all get probably 30 <laughs> bucks off of it just to murder a man um <laughs> but uh let's go ahead and do top threes i'll kick us off and then we can introduce next week's uh my honorable mentions are uh rx queen and street carp uh just those hooks really stuck with me and the build up to them was awesome. Number 3 for me was Passenger, uh that Maynard feature. Uh you can't go wrong with it. Uh the mental imagery I get driving that like or driving and listening to that song at night makes me feel like I'm a part of that song, man. Like I don't know why. That song just does a lot of things for me. Uh number 2 for me was Teenager. Um I really liked that it was this really soft and quaint sound. And then that really cool, like weird effect that they have going on over the whole track was really cool. Uh, and the number one for me was digital bath. Uh, just the drums throughout that song were, were really nice. Um, and then also, again, that's like a really good, the song structure on that there's just a lot going on and it all flows so well together so like the first time i heard that song it really caught my ear and it's uh it's been played a lot the past couple weeks <laughs> yes yeah yeah that's that that song is in my top three too digital path um that's probably my third second i would go knife party um and then my favorite track was korea it's such a headbanging track like i love that track uh Honorable mention, I'd go uh, RX Queen because it's a little bit softer of a song, I feel like, but also changed just because that was my first song that I heard off of this album. Um, but yeah, this album, I'll definitely be coming back to it. It's fucking fantastic, dude. Oh, that's yeah. funny that we both, you know, heard change the first time from this album. But that's uh, that's my honorable mention for sure because you know I always remember that it's my first Deftone song that hooked me in. Uh, and then three, two, one. I liked RX Queen. That's my third choice. And then Change, be two. I'm sorry. Yeah, Knife Party be number two. Um, and then Passenger number one. Nice. Yes. I like it. I like it. Well, 
that was my pick for this week. Uh, White Pony by Deftones, released in 2000. Um, we're going to go ahead and really put a pin in this thing and let people know what's coming up in episode 37. Uh, so to do that, Matt, what you got, man? Uh, I've changed my mind three times already from start to finish <laughs> on what I was going to pick. So I'm going to go back to 1990. I don't have the album, but it's a uh, ride. The album's called, or the band's called ride. The album's called nowhere. British shoegaze era. Uh, okay. Nice. You and I were talking about this. Yeah. This is in that book you have. Yeah. And I stumbled across this band after stumbling across Cigarose and typing in like various things. You know, once I found Cigarose, I found so many other genres. It was really cool. Um, and I think maybe because they were Icelandic and from somewhere else besides the U.S. But I think you guys will dig this. Very uh, influential for that time. Kind of like a post-hardcore kind of feel. Yeah, you like it. Nice. Yes. I love that. Uh, my What I'm going to be spinning this week um and that i'll have you guys listen to is another hip-hop pick um i'm going med uh mad blue and madlib uh bad neighbor uh, originally this is there's like two versions of this uh the original one came out in 2015 this one came out in 2021 um so just listen to the more recent one they switch up the track list but uh god damn it jake Dude, that album cover is amazing yeah, it's pretty cool. Dude. Yeah. The, Matt, the, this album's the, legit. <laughs> it's a legit album, dude. You said listen to the later, the newer one? Yeah, the, the 2015 one, uh, it's is different blue. from this one because the track okay. lists gotcha. are switched up. Yeah. So to tell the, the one from 2015 is blue, right? And then this one's red? Okay. Uh, the, the 2015 is gray. The buildings are gray. Oh, this, okay. The buildings are red. Oh, okay. Right. That's it. Okay. Sweet. God damn it, Jacob. What a great pick. <laughs> and uh, for me, I'm going back in time. This will be the earliest album I've ever brought back up. And we're going to have a fucking blast, dude. Paranoid oh, by Black Sabbath. Sweet. Um, yeah. With all the metal I've brought up, we got to go back to the Godfathers of Metal. Fucking Black yes. Sabbath, dude. Paranoid. It's about, about time. Epic. Yep. I was not expecting that. Yeah. No. This will be this will be really fun uh, to talk about. I'm stoked for it. Um, but goddamn, Med Blue, Mad Lib, fucking Ride, and Black Sabbath for episode 36. Um, be sure to like and subscribe. I guess try to get people to be interested in it. Tell a friend. Um, go listen to Floater. Uh, great yes. group. Uh, if they're ever in your area, go see them. Uh, they kick absolute ass. Uh, yeah, go ahead and y'all have yourselves a great week. Happy fucking New Year! I'm Dorian, as always. That's Matt, and that's Jake. Uh, we will be back to talk about some great music uh, next week. Peace.